0: You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the b app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Weitz.
1: Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. Edik Johansson is a visual artist from Sweden and we are speaking with him today by Skype from his home in Prague. Irik is a photographer, but not in the traditional sense. When describing his playful, surrealistic imagery, the terms visual artist and photo illustrator readily come to mind. Yes, he's a photographer, but the way he goes about creating his imagery, the distances he travels to capture the visual elements of each finished photograph, and the time and effort behind the post-capture part of the process is staggering. But we're talking semantics. His photo-based images are beautiful. They express idea, as he says. His goal is to make images that look believable, despite the fact you know what you're looking at simply does not exist, and that's a major part of their appeal. In addition to his personal work, Edek also creates commercial images for clients that include Toyota, Volvo, and Heineken. He's also the author of two books, 2016's Imagine, and the soon-to-be-released Places Beyond. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Nice to be on the show. Before we start, uh, if you're listening at home or at the office, you might want to go to Edik's website, his Instagram pages, or the show notes uh, for today's episode, so you can follow along as we talk about some of uh, his complex uh, imagery. It's erikjo.com, E-R-I-K-J-O, and on Instagram, it's at E-R-I-K dot J-O-H. And there you have it. I want to stop by establishing for our listeners that your photographs are all created in camera. Lightroom and Photoshop aside, no portions of your photographs are computer generated. You shoot each of the elements and piece them together after the fact. So my question is, what comes first, the idea or the various visual elements of the final image that somehow or magically come together as a final photograph? Where do you start?
2: Yeah, I mean, it always starts with the idea, I would say, um, or at least ninety percent of the time, I, it starts with thinking about a small combination between two regular things, but in an unexpected way, and that's usually how how the idea starts to come to life. And then I keep asking myself, how, uh, what do I want to say with it? How can I make it look more interesting? So it's a very long process from the initial idea to the final image. And uh, but that is right that that everything, uh, I mean. The camera is my tool to create these images, but I use it uh, in a way that I combine many different photographs in order to create these scenes that I have in my photos. It it means a lot of practical effects and and a lot of building uh, props and material and stuff like that, and and just to get as close to reality as possible, although one photograph can consist of hundreds of different elements sometimes.
1: Is it safe to assume that uh, quite often what you start with and what you end up with are two different photographs or illustrations, however you want to describe it?
2: Yeah, I guess it's, I mean, what the idea requires is somehow my job to provide, I guess, in a way that sometimes it can be just uh, one or two elements that needs to be combined in a very seamless, good way. But sometimes it can be several uh, different uh, elements from a, var- a variation of a, a lot of different places that needs to come together. So it all depends on the idea how complex the, the composition or like the, the different parts uh, and the puzzle becomes.
1: And do you work, you know, by yourself? Are you kind of like hold up? (laughs) You're around with computers and photos saying, okay, just leave me alone. I I don't exist in this world right now and just work. Or are you you working with other people for input? Do you share your ideas as they go along? What's your work process in that sense?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do work a lot alone. I I mean, I come up with all the ideas myself. I shoot everything myself and I put it all together myself. But uh, I do have uh, people that I work with for building props, for example, or assistants or um, sometimes uh, finding uh, locations and stuff like that so everything around it I, do, I, I have some people I work with here locally usually um, but I, I think it's like uh, to, to be part of the entire process from idea to final image uh, to me it's an, it would be something that would be quite hard for me to, to give away because I think it's, uh, the creativity is, is uh, existing in all the different steps and I need to be part of all of that in order to create the result that I'm looking for
1: Does this creative process change at all when you're working commercial? Because according to your notes that uh, I saw on your site, you only do about six to eight I'm calling photographs or photo illustrations mm. per year because they're, they're very labor-intensive and you got a lot of traveling. And again, there's a lot of post that goes on here. When you're hired mm. to take uh, uh, an Erik Johansson photograph uh, for a major client, there's time restraints on there. How does that change your workflow? Do you work with more people? Are you open to more thoughts? Um, who plants the seed for these? What does it vary?
2: Yeah, it is a little bit different because... Um, I mean, clients usually contact me based on my personal work. That they've seen something that I've done previously and they want me to do something similar for them. But the commission work is always, uh, of course, there's different uh, time frame. You had a deadline, which I don't have on the personal work. So right. That's why I allow it to take time. But it's more about... Um, I mean, usually we try to reduce the time by just making it more controlled. That, For example, maybe shoot more of the parts in studio, we build more of the set, we have more people working on it and everything. So usually with the client work, I, I have to finish it within a month from the day that we get it approved until the final image. So, um, but But it's possible to do it this way as well. It's just that the process is a bit different. And what I like with the personal work is that I allow it to take time, and I think it's quite often a good thing to let things take time.
1: Is there also something good about the challenge of saying, okay, I only have four weeks to do this. Does that sort of, (laughs) it's a different dynamic, but does that also, if anything, give you fuel to burn?
2: No, definitely. I think the commission work, I mean, although the personal work is very creative and free, I think it's really fun to do the commission work as well, because then you're also, uh, working as a team, you're trying to uh, achieve an idea or, or like yeah, put uh, a vision to life in a different way together with other people. So it is a bit different process and there's more people who have opinions in a way, but uh, I, I like that challenge as well. Uh,
3: re- regarding the, the aspect of the time that you take when you're doing a personal project, can you talk a little bit about what that time adds to the project? Would it be more time to contemplate or more mm. time to perfect, uh, maybe in, in post production, or even in, in pre production, in the construction of a. Uh, what does the time element uh, add that uh, you know kind of encounter to what Alan said that the rush of a commercial job might add?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think like mainly I would say that the planning is uh, is where I try to spend the most time, and and uh, because planning it well, it makes the photography part of it a lot easier. And if I shoot everything well and have good material putting it together is a lot easier as well. So just by letting it take time and, and trying to plan it really well, I, I think that's mainly what, what uh, saves time in the end and makes the result like As, better looking is
3: that? What do you do? That aspect of it? Do you do your own production in terms of scouting and and all the little? Yeah, details? normally.
2: I, I yeah, it's quite like uh, With the personal work, it's 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 pretty uh, like down to earth somehow. Mm-hmm. I usually go out myself. I check and I bring assistants, like uh, maybe friends sometimes. It depends, but I try to keep it very simple when it comes to the production side of my own products. But of course, sometimes I just don't know if I'm done with an image, so it can also be that I let it take time and just leave an image. Because I don't really know when I'm done with it, and I have to like just leave it for a couple of weeks, come back to it, change some things maybe.
3: So, mm-hmm. well, so you do do um, that. I mean, can you think of any yeah, examples? It happens, you know. I mean, in, in some of the images we've seen, where a major change might have come from from just time and reflection and adding something or taking something away? Uh,
2: yeah, I guess it's. Uh, let me think in my in my head. We uh, don't want to put you on the spot. I've done,
1: but. Yeah, actually, he does. I, I, he wants to <laughs> put you on the spot.
2: No, <laughs> no but I, th- I think like just uh, the, for, uh, for example, the full moon service, this, this image with these people putting up moons in the sky, mm-hmm. like a service team somehow. Mm-hmm. They, I, I wasn't really sure about, uh, I mean, I kind of had the idea in my mind what I wanted it to look like, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted it to look like. So I had some thoughts like maybe the sky should be a little bit different or this should be a bit brighter. Uh, so there was like a lot of things like this. I was uh, the image was basically ready, uh, but for half a year I just left it, come, mm. came back to it, changed some small things, left it a bit, while, left it a, for a while again. And I think uh, the way I know that I'm done with something is just that I bring up the image after a couple of weeks, not looking at it, and I can't really see anything I want to change anymore. So that's somehow the when I feel like okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's when I'm done.
3: <laughs> And uh, in terms of maybe the opposite end of, of the process, when you're when you're just beginning, when you, when you have an idea, can you talk a little bit about the uh, maybe the mental process that you go through when you say, "Hey, that's a great idea," but I'm just not so sure I can create something like that, mm-hmm. and and maybe an example where you you gave up on something because it was you just knew it was too complicated, or or the opposite where you pushed through and, and figured it out.
2: Yeah, I mean, like ideas, they somehow come all the time I guess in a way but usually in a simple way there can be small combinations of something that I find interesting and as soon as something comes up I just try to sketch it down Mm -hmm. and eventually that might develop into an idea Uh, but many times of course I I don't really know how could I do this or how could I do this so that's why I have a lot of ideas uh, all the time in Mm -hmm. my mind and, and finding the right location or Um, I mean, it's like, it's a lot about problem solving, the planning stage of it. It's Mm -hmm. like, how can I break this down into smaller problems and solve it somehow? And uh, since I I want it to look realistic as much as possible, and that's, I mean, the definition of photography is, of course, it's some kind of, I mean... Image of reality, I guess, Uh, but by combining a lot of different photographs, it's important to keep that consistency and and make it look as if it's a photograph, even if it contains so many elements. So that's also part of the problem solving part of it, which also has to go into the planning.
3: Do you start do you normally start with location is that the the first thing you look for when you're solving problems I would
2: yeah I think so somehow like it's uh, and, and sometimes it can be I already think of a place that I know uh, but sometimes I have no idea and I just have to like, keep it with me in the back of my head somehow until I find that place and sometimes that can take years uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: T- to go back so, even one step further y- your background is essentially drawing and, and painting is that correct? Mm,
2: Yeah, I I mean, I always liked painting and drawing. Uh, I always had a big interest for computers, I guess. Uh, But I actually studied computer engineering. So it was more of a... I have an engineering background. And I think that's... Although I don't really use any of those skills in my work, I think it's still the way of thinking, maybe, in a way, the problem-solving oh, it, it approach? It definitely has. Yeah.
1: An, I, I watched the video of you constructing some of your photographs. It's definitely engineering going on in there. Yeah, maybe yeah. not in the <laughs> sense so. that you were trained in it or, or what your ultimate goal was, but there's definitely yeah, yeah, engineering, yeah. I, I would say, for sure. Do you ever sketch yeah. out things before you actually go, or is it just basically you have little bits and pieces that you just say, okay, this looks like the beginning of something good. Where mm. am I going to go with this? No,
2: I guess I'm pretty much, perf- yeah, perfectionist and really want it to be perfect. So it can be, uh, it usually, I go to the location, take some test shots, maybe do like a rough, uh, maybe at first, I mean, it starts with a sketch and then I, I go and shoot the location test shoot. And then maybe I draw a bit in Photoshop just to see like where I want the different objects to be placed and... Eventually, I will just uh, decide like when and where I should shoot it, and or like if this is a good location or if I have to rescout it. And so, like the planning is really what takes the most time, definitely. Uh, I mean, shooting can take like a day, and and efficiently, uh, the retouching part is maybe like a week. It's just that I let it take
3: more time. So. Do you uh, when you're shooting actually? Do you do a lot of re- do you do a lot of takes and redo it? Are you kind of a perfectionist on the on the shooting aspect of it, or do you feel like once you have the location and the you know the right elements, you know the photograph uh, maybe is secondary and you can work work out the any problems later?
2: Well, I I think somehow I kind of like, I mean, I shoot almost everything outside in the field or like, uh, that's mm-hmm. my studio, basically. Uh, and what I like is somehow to plan the products as much as I can. But then, of course, weather, you can never really plan. Mm. And I like the fact that that adds some kind of randomness to the image. So like sometimes maybe you're thinking it should be like cloudy day and then the sun just comes out a little bit and it just gives something unexpected. That, that gives me something to play with. Um, so I kind of like that, but it, I mean, of course it happens sometimes if it starts raining or something, I just have to go back and reshoot it. It can happen sometimes, but yeah, for most yeah. times, I think it's even interesting to not, uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. Oh, to great. just leave
2: something for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: interesting. I, I would imagine yeah. that you also have a lot of variations in the weather effects in your photographs because you're photographing them piecemeal. Mm. And light is constantly changing, like you mentioned. And uh, do you ever mm. come into a point where you have all the elements, but they don't quite match? Or are you basically making them match through Photoshop and you're retouching?
2: No, yeah, I I usually don't, I mean, you can't, I mean, there's basically two things that are really important for matching the different parts, and that would be the perspective and the light, so Mm -hmm. that the perspective is as close to, uh, I mean, in all the different elements that it's close to what it should be, like, um, I mean, in terms of the horizon height and the focal length and everything, Right. but also the, I mean, the light, the type of light and the direction of light should be the same, and and I think if this is already matching well, then it's... uh, it's a lot easier to combine it, and I can't really do magic with Photoshop. So, like, I need good material to start with. So, of course, if I don't have that, then I have to go back and reshoot parts of it. But for most times, because I plan it more and more these days, I kind of know. I'm quite confident already when I go out and shoot that I that it will probably work
1: out. Yeah. Do you prefer going to locations that you're familiar with? Because uh, from what I'm gathering, you you head back up to uh, where you grew up in and northern uh, European landscapes. And- do you ever go anywhere where you've never been? Just say. I'm just going to be open to whatever comes at me and let's just see what happens
2: i yeah sometimes i try i mean i like going on photo trips like to uh, also like northern europe like iceland or british islands or or anywhere like uh, a bit cold and rough somehow but for most parts i think i need the idea first usually to know what i'm looking for
3: (laughs) (laughs) and do you give yourself any any rules let's say or any I guess parameters uh that you won't break let's say for example you could fix something in post but mm-hmm. you know what you really you know you need that light and that perspective that you were you were talking about and so therefore you're just not going to do it even even if you could do it
2: I guess it's like yeah I mean um I want it to look as realistic as possible. So how can I get to there? Uh, that that That's, of course, different ways to get there somehow. But mm. I think to capture as much as possible in camera would automatically uh, make it look realistic. So that's what I'm trying to do as much as I can. And these days, I'm t- trying more and more to build props and bring more and more things out on location and already captures, uh, capture as much as I can in camera.
3: Have you had to do um, reshoots?
2: But, yeah, I mean, it happens sometimes. And I think it's... Um, I mean, something that I try to do also is that I, I I mean, all these different images are different worlds in a way, but in order to create some kind of consistency, I try to shoot similar environments. Like a lot of the images are actually taking place just within 20 minutes driving distance from my parents' place where I grew up. And it's just a way for me to kind of bring it all into like a similar world, although each image somehow tells its own story and and has its own rules in a way also.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Wonderful. um, and uh, you'd mention photoshop we're talking about photoshop that's your primary tool in terms of uh, your post process yes yeah. so
2: yeah photoshop is the essentially the only tool i use i use sketchup sometimes for just uh, Using it in the early stages of... I uh, kept trying to figure out, like, maybe build the scene in 3D just to have, like, an, an uh, a sense of where I want to be in relation to the different objects. But there's no 3D or illustrated elements in the final uh, images. But right. it's more like an aid or like a guide for me.
3: And have you found uh, any instances where the Photoshop tools uh, just weren't enough for what you wanted to do?
2: I mean... There's limitations, I guess, <laughs> but uh, I mean the Photoshop part of it is just uh, I don't use super advanced techniques. I would say it's, it's yeah. more about uh, putting putting the puzzle together. Basically, yeah. it's like already having the different parts that I need, and then just using masks and adjustment layers to make to blend those different uh, images the best way possible. So. It's it's more like just uh, yeah. I mean, if I would use it, I could do it by hand by like uh, c- paper and scissors, mm-hmm. basically, and that's how it's like how creating ma- a montage. Yeah.
1: How yeah. many uh, in, in your average photograph? I don't know if this is easy to answer. How many separate mm-hmm. elements would there be in your average photo illustration? Your finished product. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's usually I would say a few hundred layers. Usually, wow. counting like. Uh, counting like adjustment layers and like all different parts and everything so it's still like a lot of different elements and i try to always work in a non-destructive way in order to maybe i do want to change the sky a bit in the end or something like mm. that and try to build it up in a logical way as well to like keep the sky in the background and then build the image up all the way to the front mm. uh, so the, the files become fairly heavy sometimes but it's
1: uh,
2: <laughs> yeah that's the price you have to pay for being able to be flexible with the yeah, moving things around. And, you
3: know. and can you tell us a little bit about your your setup, your post, your your computer that you use, your drive, mm-hmm. any kind of yeah, what you use to kind of keep things moving fast?
2: Yeah, so so I mean, I have a I have this uh, PC workstation computer that I built myself essentially just by looking at. Um, I mean, it's not like I didn't make the components; I mm-hmm. bought the components yeah. and put it together yeah. based on like what is optimal for Photoshop, basically. Mm. And uh, I'm sitting on like two big monitors. So I have like one big monitor uh, that I have all like basically the Photoshop canvas. And then I have a secondary mon- monitor for all the tools and, and uh, yeah, all the mm-hmm. different panels. Just curious,
1: what brand monitors are you using? Because I mean, your stuff is pretty um, precise.
2: Yeah, I'm using ASO. Uh, this wow. is a CG318, yeah. I think, 4K, 30 mm-hmm. inch maybe or 31 inch. And then I have a secondary monitor, like an older ASO monitor, 22-inch, that I have like uh, rotated 90 degrees. So essentially to have as much space as possible for the layer panel so I can see as many layers as possible. Right, mm-hmm. right. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's... Pretty much my.
3: What about my, your mouse? I'm curious. Yeah. Do you use a mouse or a drawing ta- uh, drawing pad, or how do you?
2: Yeah, I have a I have a vacuum board, like a large mm-hmm. uh, large one. But uh, I have to say that uh, at least half of the time, or maybe even more, I still use the mouse. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just used to like yeah. gaming, and maybe when I was younger or something, mm-hmm. it's just convenient for me with a mouse. But of course, there's there's a lot of cases where, where it's a lot better with a pen, where you need what kind pressure of, uh, sensitivity and stuff.
3: Yeah. What kind of connection to gaming do you see uh, in your fi- in what you're doing now? Do you, do you <clears> find <throat> that the, the world you knew as a gamer mm. kind of come out in some of the images you make? I, I think it's, I mean,
2: I think I used to be, I mean, it has been inspiring to me, I think, through life to play a lot of computer games, because uh, you go into these like different worlds and that's, Basically similar what I want to do, I create these worlds, but I capture mm. them in just one single frame. So I don't really have time so much for gaming these days, uh, mm-hmm. but I can really enjoy <laughs> doing it if
3: I would. Well, sure I don't like know, we all have the same something. time. So they-
2: I, I could have time for it.
3: I just prefer. <laughs> well, you're making your own games. That's better. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm assuming that you know everyone in Sweden gets handed a Hasselblad camera when they're born. Is that how it works? Yeah. 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 When, you're bo- when you're born. When you're born. So it, how, how yeah, did you how did you pick <laughs> how, how did you pick Hasselblad?
2: In the beginning, when uh, many years ago, or I don't know, ten years ago, I guess, uh, when I started doing this uh, on a little bit more serious level, I, I also helped some other photographers with uh, um Photoshop or retouching their their files. And uh, first time I saw these like Hasselblad uh, files, <laughs> there was like something completely different to work <laughs> on. The just the amount of information in the raw files and the, the crispiness of the of the images. I really liked that. And uh, I knew one day I had to have a medium format camera. And uh, I was trying out both Phase One and, and Hasselblad, but in the end, I just liked uh, the Hasselblad system more. I liked the zoom lens, the thirty-five, ninety, mm-hmm. and uh, the ergonomics and the whole integration of uh, everything. And and, and also uh, just a look of the files somehow. So it's like a just mm-hmm. gut feeling, I guess, in a way.
3: So what? What other? Did you try any other systems prior, or did you work with systems that you know whether yeah, they were medium format or thirty-five?
2: Before I had the Hasselblad, I had a Canon EOS 5D Mark II, uh-huh. um, and uh, I tried uh, while choosing what medium format system I would use. I was uh, shooting a bit with the Phase One as well, which is of course not a bad camera; it's a great camera as yeah. well. I just in the end liked uh, the 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 look of the files. I guess yeah. uh, that was the main uh, difference
1: and to me. And you've always yeah. been uh, digital. It sounds like you've never been film. You skipped that whole
0: <laughs> no. process.
2: I mean, I sh- I've been shooting and I still shoot sometimes film just for fun. But uh, I mean, I basically discovered Photoshop and, and uh, photography at the same time. And it was always very natural for me that uh, yeah, it's yeah. digital, I guess.
1: Um, and it makes more sense for the kind of work that you're doing. It's one less step to have to first convert from the negatives to uh, digital. Yeah. And plus for what you're doing, you have so much more... S- Uh, 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 room to play around with as far as uh, wiggle room for
3: adjustments and tonality and everything else, so yeah, it makes sense. You you mentioned that, you know, a lot of obviously a lot of your work is outdoors uh, but you do use um, artificial lights, you know, some of your images Mm. uh, and and we watched a a little video that you made where you, you know, remove the lights that were actually in the image. Can you talk a little bit about uh, using interior lights and blending light?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, really... The most important to me with light is that light should have a purpose, not just to throw like a softbox in there or something just to give some something like an interesting light, but mm-hmm. that the light is coming from somewhere that, that somehow makes sense. So right. what I, that's something I already try to think about in the sketching or planning phase that like, okay, so where do I want the light to come from? Okay, it's there. And the uh, what what can I do to create something more like create a balance or some type, kind of dynamic in the image as well? Okay, there could be some light coming from there, but it should be a light source. Then shooting outside, I, I try to build the light pretty simply. Uh, simple, I think. It's yeah. like I mean, in reality, we have one light source. We have the sun, and that's that's it. So. Uh, other, other than that, we just have artificial light sources, so so I try to build it in a simple way, and I mostly use umbrellas for uh, light modifiers or um, the TeleZoom reflector from Profoto, which mm-hmm. can throw light over great distances and still create like something sunlight-looking uh, mm-hmm. light, which I think is really nice. Wonderful, wonderful. Um,
3: I have a quick, um, qu- quick question about... Um, your final products, because you, now you have a couple of books out, and I imagine you sell mm-hmm. prints. But do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of as the the final product? Is it something that's on a monitor or a page? And and how do you look at the image when it's on a page compared to a monitor?
2: No, but I, I definitely find the final product to be a, a, a big print. I would say, mm-hmm. <laughs> so how, like how now big? I'm. I'm <laughs> Um, I usually the biggest ones I do are, are 180 times 135 centimeters. So I okay. guess that's like 70 that's inch mm-hmm. maybe wide. I guess yeah. It's, it's uh, um, I, because I, I just find it like the texture of the paper uh, and the I mean the amount of details that you can see on on the big prints. That, that's where you really see I think the difference with the image quality as well. Um, and I also think that a print is is something that it doesn't even have to be big, but it, the print is a physical representation of something that the artist chose the paper because the artist think that, that this represents it the best way possible. And um, I mean, when you see something digitally, you, you don't really have control of how the viewer or like... Where what device they are looking at it uh, from, and then like what is the color management of that device and everything. So mm. that's why I think
1: a print is always the final product. Plus the power no go, never goes out on a print; it's always exactly, there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, have you, have you had some images that you know you felt they worked on the monitor, and then when you saw them in print, they weren't working, and maybe you abandoned that image, or what kind of tweaking did you need to do to get it to where you wanted?
2: Yeah, I, I guess like I mean I, I learned by trying a lot here, and, and uh, I think especially the darker the darker images are are pretty tricky to print on. Um, I mean I print on uh, several different papers, but there's a matte paper that I really like, and, and dark images on matte paper can be pretty tricky. So, but yeah. I've been like experimenting a lot and and uh, found like adjustments that I have to do to the images to make them to come out the best way possible on that paper as well. Uh, so that means that I, 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 they look the the files that I sent for print on a math paper looks quite different from the ones on my website, for example. Yeah.
1: Do you do your own um, printing, or do you you send out for prints?
2: And no, there's a place in Stockholm that that does my printing uh, that I've been working with for a long time. But mm-hmm. um, I guess I could do it myself, but it's just like it feels like I would just add another problem to myself or like more things to manage someone. yeah you need more to do along yeah. The yeah I mean I, I like to yeah I mean exactly like it's, that's not what I need and I know like my, my my small printer here like that I have just for printing out I don't know invoices and stuff it's 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 bad as it is, so
1: <laughs> I can only imagine with a big printer. What so, kind of problems how large are your invoices? I'm just, no, I'm just
3: joking. Uh. Um, so let me, let me ask you this quick question here. I mean, uh, uh, you have a pretty large Instagram following. You have sponsorship from Hasselblad, uh, exhibitions. Uh, your work's received all over the world. Uh, that said, how, many, how often do people come up to you and dismiss the work as just saying, oh, it's just Photoshop? And uh, if that does happen, how do you react
2: Usually I don't meet these people, but I guess people people don't usually say it to my face somehow. I guess, but, I mean, of course, uh, I, I, you know, like I'm sure there's um, people that think that, and I, but I've always been open with it. You know, like this is not I don't simply that's the tricky thing. There's not really a word exactly for what it is I do. do I guess. Like, do you call yourself a photographer? a photographer? Usually, if someone asks what I do, I say I'm a photographer, but okay. I'm not a tr- photographer in the traditional way. Right. But still. It's combinations of photographs. So. Right, but there's a uh, long me,
3: history of, of, you know, of photos, you know, manipulated images going sure. back. So there's, yeah. there's nothing new
1: about
2: that. Yeah, as yeah, soon as you're
3: burning good. and
1: dodging and manipulating, well, just for yeah. whatever it's worth. I mean, I look at your work and I just think photo illustration, that's the kind of title that mm-hmm. I put onto mm-hmm. it. Um, because, again, it is composite and it's definitely photography. There's no two ways about it.
3: Hmm. And, and do you uh, just when you're out uh, out and about in the streets, do you shoot straight photography too, or do you just can't even be bothered?
2: I'm 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 actually not so good at this kind of stuff. It's uh, I need to plan really well and and uh, to to shoot something like a wedding or events or anything where you need to really be. Uh, Uh, capturing the moment. I I think usually I'm too slow for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's tricky, yeah. But I like to, I mean, I take pictures sometimes, I bring camera with me sometimes when I just take a walk as well, but um, it's very different, yeah.
1: You do use your camera. It's part of the process. It's not what you Mm, do. mm. It's the element, it's, it's the item that you use to capture the different pieces that go into your final product. So uh, yeah, we could play with that name all, all, all day long.
2: Yeah, definitely. I don't really mind any titles. If someone <laughs> like it sounds like a good title, actually. Like.
1: All right, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk more about photo illustration with Erik Johansson. Stay tuned.
0: We hope you're enjoying this edition of the BH Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For links to gear and more information on today's guests, check out the show notes in your podcast app or visit our homepage on the BH Explorer website and join the BH Photography Podcast Facebook group. And now, back to the show. Okay, we are back.
1: Uh, Irika, let's talk a little bit about some of your specific images. We pulled a few of them out here. Um, There's one picture, it's called Above All, and it's a woman shopping in the forest. Uh, She's coming up an escalator. Yes. Tell us about that picture.
2: Yeah, the idea was uh, somehow to create a place that feels like, I mean, this double meaning with Above All, like both that it's what is most important, but at the same time also like the last level maybe somehow. And, uh, I wanted to create something where it feels like someone that's lost in a way or like, um, ju- just a contrast between the consumption society and, and coming out in nature and, and uh, kind of like this clash between the natural and the artificial, the, the created materialistic stuff, um, almost with the, and the, with the trees kind of like, um, almost like pillars holding up the world around it mm. and, uh, this very like pure clean kind of look of the forest in the background is
3: it important to keep uh, i mean a lot of your images there there's a little darkness in there you know there's a little mm-hmm. it's not simply you know uh, you know a, an elephant floating away on a balloon or something like that you know there's and is that always important to kind yeah. of keep these mixed themes in the work
2: yeah i mean i want i mean it's a balance between i guess the sadness and and humor and and uh, many things like um, the, i think the topics can be sad sometimes but it, it it's it's still like with a hopefulness in it um
1: you could make these pictures whatever you want them to be be. that's the way I get them I mean, it depends who the viewer is and where, where they are in their life but I mean watching this scene of, of this woman just casually coming up from an escalator from under the ground in the middle of a forest and there's light apparently there's a whole world under there and it just caught me I just realized that when we were looking at these we were looking at it in color and I printed them out and we're looking at black and white and what's interesting is that each of your images are equally strong in monochrome um, they're, yeah, they're yeah. magical in color but some pictures don't hold up as well your pictures do even as monochromatic images
2: thank you yeah it's, it's interesting i mean I, i've been sometimes i feel like should this be black and white but i always feel like there's i'm leaving out then the, i mean color can also be a way to tell the story like another layer to it somehow so that's why i always want to somehow bring color into it as well and um, but like you say, it's really about. Um, I mean, I like to put a title on the image, of course, and that's somehow like a clue what it is that I thought about the image. But I think it's also equally important to not over-explain it and let people make up their own mind or story
3: around it as well. So. And uh, in that image, for example, I assume you went to a forest. Uh, where did you shoot the? Mm-hmm. Esca- where did you shoot the escalator? Yeah, so
2: I, I was looking for a long time for an escalator with these kind of like light rails on it. Mm. I knew i had seen it somewhere, but mm-hmm. I didn't remember where. So, mm. But uh, yeah, at, at some point I just realized that it was somewhere in Berlin and I started looking <laughs> on Google Street View and eventually I found this place. Um, so I went there to the escalator. I think that was the first
3: part of it. Mm. You went all the um, way to Berlin just for the escalator?
2: Yeah, it's kind of like I go to Berlin all the time okay. <laughs> actually, right. it's close by. <laughs> uh, it's like about three, four hours drive right. from here. Right. And uh, I used to live in Berlin as, for, as well uh, and before. So I shot the escalator um, and I knew it would be a nice... like. I wanted these light rails because I thought it would be a nice like focal point or like the where the light is coming from in the scene, coming back to this with the, that the light should have a purpose. So that's mm-hmm. basically what's spilling the light on the environment around it. Right. And it also helps to bring the whole scene together. Um, so then I shot the forest. So I went out in some forest close to my parents' place. I knew this like very interesting forest with these tall pine um, trees. And uh, I basically set up a, a, um, a flash there with a with a white umbrella uh, with a warm gel in it. And I like shot up through the umbrella to kind of like um, yeah shoot light basically on the surrounding, on the ground as mm-hmm. well as hitting some of the trees. Mm-hmm. And then I shot the girl also with um, at a different location, but in a similar like ah, so surface. The, the model was, a, was different, on,
3: a third location. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
2: but she was standing on a similar like out in a forest, but on a, it was just not that she was she was in Prague and this location was in Sweden, so it was not practical. I told but you, I John.
1: Pro- I told you. He, I, I said that she's in Prague, and that before, <laughs> he didn't. I, I knew it. I was able to pick that one out. Okay. That Prague light.
3: Yeah, that Prague
0: light. So it's
3: well, that actually leads me maybe to our next one, which uh, you it's called just visiting and you have Mm. you know there's an older woman in the window um i believe she's an older woman uh can you uh talk a little bit about working with models and and the actors that you you hire are they people you know do you go to agencies do you give them a lot of instruction how's things like that
2: Mm, yeah no for for the models it's usually actually people for the personal projects, it's quite often people that I somehow know or have some kind of, uh, it can be acquaintances or, or someone I know about, because I want the people to be normally just normal people. And when I think about an idea, I usually think of someone that I know somehow, so I try to convince them <laughs> that they should be. Like but <laughs> I want good. them to act natural also. So I, it's like, that's also why I try to build more and more props these days, because it makes it easier to explain like the scenario you know that you have something to interact with and they don't have to think so much about posing or anything but just explain the strange world that they live in and that's what they are doing like picking down stars from the sky or something like that or like putting up moons uh, and then it's more like I'm trying to shoot the scenario as it's happening so the models are interacting with the things and I'm just shooting them as they are casually interacting with it
3: was the smoke in that image uh, actual smoke or did you create that
2: that smoke was yeah it, it's it's actual smoke but I shot it at a different um, time I, I i made some um, uh, like fire in a barrel and then i covered it and opened it to kind of create smoke and i shot oh. it with like a light from <laughs> I, I think it, from yeah. the side and from behind so there's a few things that i actually have like an archive of and that's like smoke trees some skies and stuff like that that i can use for projects and, and smoke
1: is one of those and is that a real house that or is that a model because i can't assume anything is real here
2: <laughs> no, it's actually a real house. It's it's a uh, it's uh, a lot of Swedish houses look like this, I guess. And, and um, so it, it's a small house. It's not really a house that you would live in. It's more like a storage house or
1: something. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and then I shot shot these like piles of uh, of, of rocks uh, when they were doing a construction work in in Prague. And I, I shot this old town square in the middle of Prague as well. In the early morning when mm. they were. As little people as possible, <laughs> and to me, this is like kind of—it's called just visiting. And it, I guess it somehow represents me me being in Prague with the Swedish house, plowing through the old town square, and, and making it feel like maybe I'm just visiting. And
3: <laughs> how come? Just to change subjects briefly, why uh, why Prague? Why why are you living in Prague? Um, I,
2: uh, I met a girl from here and, and that's what took me here. That's, yeah, always that's a good reason. That's, that's
3: a good reason. Yeah, that's yeah,
2: a good reason. And, and, but I really <laughs> like Prague. It's a real nice place and there's a lot of film production here. So it's also a lot of good people that can build things and, and studios and stuff like that. So it's very helpful actually for these kind of problems. Sure. Uh,
3: so speaking of, I guess, well, houses, and I'm not sure this is Prague, but, uh, the, there's the, uh, image you call self-supporting and you have these yeah. houses in between the, the rock, uh, Can you talk a little bit about that, especially the houses?
2: Yes. So, yeah, this was, um, uh, I got this idea from just uh, one day talking to an architect friend of mine, and we were talking about this, uh, um, what do you call it? Like the arch? Is it arch or arc? What do you call it? An arch, yeah. An arch, yes. So this construction, that that you have this very stable, simple construction, basically all these pieces just supporting each other. And if you remove one, it will all fall apart. But mm-hmm. if you just leave it as, as it is, it will just support itself for like thousands of years. And I thought it was like an interesting starting point for an image. And I was thinking about creating some kind of society where we all kind of need each other and we support each other. But if we remove one part, it all kind of falls apart. So that was the, the initial thought for this idea. And... Um, I, I had this in mind also for a long time and then I went to the north of Czech Republic um, to an area called Bohemian Switzerland mm-hmm. where there's a lot of interesting rock formations like sandstone rock formations. Narnia was actually shot there partly. Oh, wow. And uh, there was this place with two rocks, two rock pillars and I thought this would actually be like perfect place for houses in between them. Um, so I shot this, so that's basically the background that you see and then I just went out to shoot like houses throughout Prague and Stockholm and just trying to Find these old style um, houses that I thought would. Um,
3: uh, those yeah. are all. Th- so those houses weren't necessarily together or next to each other and originally. No, no they, those were, are all they different were all just houses separated. everywhere. Um,
2: and I had to like. So in this case, I actually did use SketchUp in order to draw out like the perspective of the houses to know what perspective I had to shoot them from. Because if you think of each of the houses, some of them would be almost as if they are shot from above, and some of them mm-hmm. more from below, mm-hmm. kind of like, depending on where they are in this formation. So that was the tricky part of this, uh, to kind of get to those positions in order to shoot that. Yeah, you had to uh, get all the vanishing change...
1: points down. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also had to change the
2: shape of the houses slightly because they had to be slightly right. cone-shaped in order to fit together this way. So exactly. it, they are modified a bit. as but well. That, and so you
3: did that with, the, with SketchUp? Yeah, the, I
2: did with SketchUp like a like a simple representation of, of where those like blocks would be or the houses would be. Yeah. Mm. So I well, basically drew that up because I knew the distance from where I was shooting these pillars of right. the location in north of Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew the distance, I knew the horizon line and I knew about like, so the, the what, that should look like between those two pillars. Um,
3: and then you integrate that sketch into a layer of Photoshop and then put the. Yeah, I basically had that as it, a yeah. back
2: plate. Yeah, like a, like a background layer. And then as I was shooting more houses, like uh, I maybe went out to shoot some houses and then I tried, like, does it look nice? No, the perspective, perspective doesn't perfectly match. And then I had to re- go and reshoot it. So this was a very time consuming product in that sense. But mm-hmm.
1: no, that's um, beautiful. One yeah. thing that I'm a little bit curious about two of the houses on the far end of the arch. You're actually looking mm-hmm. underneath the house. How'd you pull yeah. that off? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the
2: tricky thing, yeah. So basically, I just went down to shoot as low as possible at ground level, and then I had to uh, yeah, use uh, the perspective warp tool in, in Photoshop just to kind of like uh, skew the surfaces even slightly more in order to just fake that perspective a bit more. Because, yeah, that, that would be impossible <laughs> uh.
3: <laughs> nothing's impossible <laughs> uh, okay maybe uh one more i don't know alan jason do you guys have any image you want to talk about we have uh the uh the one that's called uh, lifetime it's the clock in the ocean and then there's... That,
1: that one that's the one that gets maybe what was the th- idea behind that i love the image itself um but mm. what, what was the what was the thought process behind it what what was the seed oh. of this one I,
2: I guess, the, I mean, I have a, a, a few topics that I, I guess I try come back to a lot. And it's like um, daring to, to take a step out into the unknown somehow or like how we as humans affect the world around us, but also like the passage of time, I guess. Mm. And it's just to me like uh, the inevitable uh, like movement of time forward and like this poor guy just standing there and uh, can't really do anything about it. Uh, um, mm, okay that's how oh, it's kind of moving so it's a bit sad i guess in a yeah. way. but but it's uh yeah the, the, it was just an idea that i had somehow that something was going on maybe someone is living on this on the like minute or hour hand of a of a of a clock and somehow like existing there and it's constantly moving
3: mm. <laughs> um yeah do you draw from any traditional stories or myths or anything that you'd like to work go back to again or literature for that I mean, matter do you
2: like I think like children's books are very inspiring to me. Mm. So I try mm. to. Uh, I, I read a lot of children's books as a kid, or like rich illustrated ones with a lot of images, and I, I still try to find inspiration in those. And I mean, also go to exhibitions and and try to you know find get impressions everywhere, but uh, especially children's books.
1: Yeah. I would imagine your work has a certain amount of appeal or a lot of appeal to editorial illustrations. Have you have you? Sold your work for these applications
2: i haven't no not really uh i haven't really but maybe i i should <laughs>
1: it's a good idea <laughs> I huh yeah no, yeah because yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I could see it working very very well there's what there's because there, these pictures could be used to say a lot of different things depending on how mm. you present mm. them
2: i uh, guess so far i've i've, I've always thought that the, the images should be like on their own somehow and unrelated to um I mean, I started doing this just for fun. It was not something that I thought would come become a profession or something I could make a living on. Don't um, you hate
1: when that happens? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I kind of lost my hobby; it became my job. <laughs> you, you know? But it's okay. S-
3: who uh, who tends to buy your prints? Have you? Uh, do you have any sense of who it is that's uh, buying them, or or? or-
2: it, yeah, I mean, it's like a different, I mean, I have a few price ranges. I mm. mean, uh, the, the, the smaller ones are cheaper and the bigger ones are more expensive, yeah. obviously. So I guess it's more, uh, it's a mix. I mean, I would say usually I sell more prints when I do exhibitions because mm. then that's when people really see okay. the amount of details and, and uh, people don't want to spend like a lot of money on, on something that they don't really know what it looks like. So. Oh, yeah. I guess people who are interested in art by the prints when yeah. they see it at an exhibition. So, so. you do have exhibitions. Usually.
3: That's great. Uh, yes, there's yeah. a
2: new exhibition coming up in Stockholm in just two weeks oh, great. from now. So. Okay. I'm planning Stockholm? that right now.
3: Go for it. Uh, how often do you get back up there? How often do you go to Stockholm or up to Sweden?
2: I I mean, I almost go every month for some reason. It, it, uh, it depends a bit, but it can be when it's... Uh, I mean, I have my agent there for like commission work as well and and uh, sometimes I have meetings and other things. so and if I go to Sweden, I usually go to try to visit my family as well. so I try to combine that so I fairly regularly.
3: One more question. one more uh, image, maybe we can ask you about the the road closed unexpectedly. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the concept you're getting at and and some of the uh, the technical process,
2: yeah, in this case, I was um, this was actually an image that I got in a dream somehow because it was. Hmm. I, was, I, was, I don't remember what the dream was about, but all of a sudden I woke up and it kind of said like the last thing I saw in the dream was that it said like dream closed unexpectedly, like as the program crashed. And I thought, like, that's quite an interesting, funny thing. And mm-hmm. I thought, what else could close unexpectedly? And right. I thought, like, what if a road would close unexpectedly? Right, yeah. uh, almost like as we we're living in some kind of simulation or something.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, that one to and, me is uh, incredible.
3: It really takes, takes you know, yeah. the concept to a, <laughs> a whole other level. Yeah, yeah it's
2: kind of funny. It's, yeah. it's nice when the dream just gives you, like, here you go, an idea. <laughs> yeah.
3: What about demand and supply? I mean, I'm looking at that now. Jason sent it over here. That, I mean, that... Does that place exist? Please tell me it does somewhere. That rock,
2: yes, yeah, somewhere, somewhere. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's say it does. Where? Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it's uh, I, I did get uh, I mean, I had this idea also in, for a long time uh, in my mind, but it was not until I went to Faroe Islands a couple of years ago that I found these like cliff formations and these very extreme, uh, f- yeah, like natural formations of rock that I thought would be. Really w- working working well for this image. I mean, obviously, it wasn't like this exact shape. Uh, on no, that's islands, but I found a lot of. <laughs> yeah, I, but I found a lot of good uh, material I could use for it. So essentially, it's like the, the bottom part is almost one part, or at least the left part. But there's, there's a bunch of different uh, rocks that co- came together. But also, it was important with the light coming from the same direction. So I had to shoot a lot of different cliffs and rocks in different...
1: Ah, uh,
3: yeah, yeah,
2: um,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: This was a very time-consuming product as well, but... Uh, But it worked out, (laughs) I guess. It did. Uh,
3: When you're location scouting, do you, I mean, are you kind of always shooting and taking notes to yourself? Uh, Let's just call them photographic notes. Uh, And if so, do you end up incorporating them into the image or do you always kind of want to have the images that you use be something that's been planned out and, and a little bit more and shot more carefully?
2: If I go to a location, maybe I don't even bring my camera. Sometimes I just bring the, the phone and take a few test shots. Uh, but I try to be aware already when I go to the location to think about where I want the light to come from and and, uh, and think a lot about these things, the perspective and light and how I can shoot it, how accessible it is to bring props and stuff like that if I need. So there's a lot of parts like that.
3: I know you mentioned earlier the, the lens that you, you try to use, but do you have a focal length that you kind of go back to or that's most comfortable when you're when you're looking at some of these landscapes?
2: Yeah, I would say I, g- I usually go quite wide. I guess, like I use, I mean, I would say around thirty-five millimeter plus minus ten, <laughs> maybe. <I imagine laughs> no, but you it depends. Like some, yeah, it depends on the idea because these like perspective illusions, for example, they need a, they don't really have a vanishing point. So that, then you have to go really far back instead. So that's the complete opposite on, from wide angle, for example.
1: I would also, so imagine, also. I would imagine yeah. that because of the nature of your work. You have to stick to a now or a, a range of focal lengths because if you shoot something really wide, something really long, getting them to match won't really work as well. You have to kind of be from the same uh, perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. point of view, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I want the wide. You know, I try to shoot wide because I wanted to feel like you can really you immerse yourself into the image, like it's yeah. really like a window into another world, and I want you to see a lot there. But of course, it, it's important to. To like that, all the different objects need to be shot done on on that focal length, or at least like I mean, close, close. to it to right. match. So, no,
1: no, no. gotcha. So, uh, um, if people want to catch up on your work, and I'm sure they will, uh, your <laughs> website is.
2: Yeah, it's eric with a K J O dot com, or just search for my name.
1: Okay. All right. And Instagram as well?
2: Yeah, er, in my Instagram will be eric with a K dot J O
1: H. Okay, and I, again, at if, at if, if you beginner. have not seen uh, uh, Eric's work, I highly recommend it. It, it. It's 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 each picture is a whole story, a whole journey. It's really mm-hmm.
3: a, a tell great us a little, little bit about the books and where they can people can get the books and and when the next one's coming out.
2: Yes, so I have uh, my next book coming out, places beyond. Um, it contains a bunch of new unpublished photos as well that I haven't had time to get out there yet. Um, and this is getting out in the stores, I think, beginning of December. And it should be available everywhere where you buy book, books,
3: hopefully. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> Excellent. Let's we'll take a look for it. Good enough. And we'll put the links on the show yeah. notes.
1: All right. Yeah. Eric, uh, thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, Tusen taks, as they say, right? <laughs> Tusen Yeah. Some thank you so talk. much for having me. It <laughs> 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 yeah. was right. great. That's great. I'm glad you enjoyed your, t- your time here with us today. So here's a question. Have you been yourself lately? Do you feel tired, restless? Perhaps your appetite's been on the flat side. Listen, this is no way to go through your life. Here's what I suggest. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or Spotify, and subscribe to the b Photography Podcast. It is absolutely free. And you can also find this on the b Explorer website as well as the b Photography Podcast Facebook group. We publish a new episode of the show every week, and you can have it delivered directly to your device of choice by simply subscribing to our show. So there you have it. Until further notice, I'm your host, Alan Whites, and on behalf of John Harris and Jason Tables, thank you so much for tuning in today.